When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take was lost in sin but Jesus took me in and then a little light from heaven filled my soul it bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole now let us have a little talk with Jesus let us tell him all about our troubles he will hear our faintest cry Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right, it makes it right. Sometimes my path seems drear without a ray of cheer, and then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. The mists of sin may rise and hide the starry skies, but just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He 
answer by and by. Feel a little prayer wheel turning. Know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. It makes it right. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. Feel a little prayer wheel turning, and you know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. It makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. Feel a little prayer wheel turning, and you know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus. Find a little talk with Jesus. Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me.
Well, good morning. Just want to thank you on behalf of uh, Marvin's family. We want to thank all of you for making time to be here this morning. Uh, you know, Marvin impacted many, many lives. And uh, this is still a time of grief and mourning, and we understand that. And you might shed a tear or two this morning, and that is a-okay. Uh, that's how God made us. We, we love and we express grief, and that's normal and it's healthy. So I want to give everyone the, the a-okay. That's why there's Kleenex there. Uh, if you, if you, uh, you know, need the Kleenex, you might laugh today, and that's okay, too. Uh, Marvin, you know, I was just sharing with the family, uh, we have what's called the commons on the other side and, uh, of the wall there, and, and you know, many a, many a donut and many a coffee cup has been shared with me and Marvin uh, before and after service, a lot of jokes. And so uh, he was a man of joy, and uh, he brought a lot of laughter, and uh, just, a, just a great man. Uh, I want to share something before we start, and um, just kind of put everyone at ease and, and uh, really uh, just address it up front. You know, a few months ago, uh, gathering in person for a memorial was not even a possibility. So I'm blessed. I hope you are that we can even be here, right? And so that being said, uh, at, at the church here at the well, we just want to, again, and, and as the pastor here, I just want to share with you our heart. Uh, we know that there's, you know, all over the spectrum regarding masks and um, social distancing and the vaccine and all that. Our heart here is that uh, the Bible says that agape love is self-sacrificial, that I lay down my rights for your well-being because I love you. So here, if you want to wear a mask, we honor that, and that's fine. If you want to social distance, that's fine. Uh, we just, we just we care about people's health, and we want to be united in Christ. We want to be united in love, and so we just want to kind of share that with you. Uh, that we are so blessed that we could be here uh, to celebrate Marvin's life together. So I just want to be upfront. If you want to wear a mask this morning, that's fine. Afterwards, that's fine. Um, and we just want to clear the air about that, that let's celebrate Marvin. Let's celebrate uh, our brother in the Lord uh, together and not make the things outside these walls kind of an issue. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to start today with a wonderful song. Uh, this is Derek, Ken, and Robert. We are blessed to have them. They've known Marvin for years, and they're going to lead us in a, in a few songs this morning. So why don't we stand together and let's sing How Great Thou Art. Son not sparing, send him to 
scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior God to Shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? In my throne now, in humble adoration, and there proclaim, My God, how great thou art. my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul. pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to gather uh, this morning with friends and family. Uh, Father, collectively, we say thank you for Marvin. Thank you for the joy. Thank you uh, for the many blessings uh, he brought to all of us. And, and so, Father, I ask you to be the great shepherd, the great comforter, as we continue to grieve and mourn um, the passing of our dear brother. Uh, but then also, Father, bring the joy that comes in celebrating uh, a life well-lived and a life that uh, touched many. So, uh, again, thank you for everyone that made time to be here. Thank you for those that are watching this uh, on YouTube or on the website later. Uh, Father, just thank you for Marvin, and we give you this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You uh, didn't get a chance to read the, the obituary. I wanted to go ahead and read that for all of us to uh, kind of enjoy uh, Marvin's life together. It says this, at 1.30 p.m. on Sunday, April 18, 2021, Marvin C. Van Wagner, father, son, husband, teacher, principal, choir director, friend, grandfather, great-grandfather, naval officer, and a child of God, passed away. His life was full and complete when God called him home. Born in Rogers, Arkansas to Frank Clyde and Beulah Van Wagner in 1930. 
Returning with his parents to Compton, California, they remained there until just after World War II. They then moved to a new home in La Crescenta, California, where he finished school and graduated at Glendale High School in 1948. He enrolled in Glendale City College and then Cal State LA, where he earned his bachelor's degree. While attending Glendale High School and Glendale City College, he had the honor of marching in the Rose Parade as a clarinetist with the school bands. Marvin also had the privilege of playing for the league football championships at the Rose Bowl. Marvin then enlisted in the United States Navy in 1952. He went through officer's training school in Maryland. Upon completion, he was stationed aboard the USS Estes, a member of the 7th Fleet. Marvin did two tours of duty, one in 1954 and one in 1956, at the proving, uh, Pacific Proving Grounds at Eniwetak and Bikini Atoll for nuclear testing. In between, he participated with the 7th Fleet in Operation Passage to Freedom. After completing his active service in 1956, he returned home to marry Elaine A. Wayne. Upon marriage, he took a job with the Glendale Unified School District. Marvin and Elaine's first son, Dale, was born in 1958 in Glendale, California. He and his family landed in Ojai, California in 1961. Soon thereafter, their second son, Lee, was born in 1962. Marvin joined the Ojai Unified School District, first as a teacher, then as a principal. He also earned his master's degree in education during this time. Ojai Elementary was the first school he was the principal of, then Miramonte Elementary, then finishing up with Miners Oaks Elementary. While at Ojai Elementary, he introduced the Junior Olympics for the entire school district, which he oversaw until his retirement. A few years later, he was asked to come out of retirement and become the principal of the Ojai Valley Christian School at OVCC. Marvin and his family joined the Ojai Valley Community Church within a few years of moving to Ojai, and was asked to become the choir director, where he served faithfully for 30 years. Upon retirement, Marvin and Elaine traveled extensively. Other than attending church or traveling, they truly enjoyed entertaining three of four granddaughters weekly until each one entered elementary school. They would say those were the high points of their week. In 2009, Elaine passed away. Marvin sold the family home where they had held Tuesday night Bible studies Christmas parties for the OVCC choir, and many family gatherings. He then bought a small home in Oakview, as well as his signature red T-Bird. Marvin lived there until moving into the Ojai Continuing Care Center, where he enjoyed coffee on the patio, reading the paper, his favorite books, and playing Scrabble with fellow community members. He continued to remain active with his church and church family. His life was full and complete. Marvin Van Wagner is survived by his children, Dale and Sherry Van Wagner, Lee and Gloria Van Wagner, his grandchildren, Matthew Pritchard, Christiana Delgadillo, Katie Van Wagner, Natalie Van Wagner, and Brenda, Brenda Chabaco, his great-grandchildren, Ryder Pritchard, Blake Pritchard, Grayson Hunter, Taylor Ponte, Ella Delgadillo, Riley Seaver, Olivia Seaver, and Charles Chabaco V. There you go. Life well lived. How many remember uh, Marvin's Red T-Bird, right? So it, it, it's amazing sometimes when you think back on a life and you go, what, what do I remember? Oh, you know, you, it's one of those cars you'd see around Ojai, like, oh, Marvin's at Vons, right? <laughs> oh, hey, Marvin, <laughs> what's Marvin doing there, right? You know, <laughs> you know, 
but it, it's amazing because we all are here, and, and again, those of you who aren't able to join us but you're watching the recorded uh, service, you know, we all have memories, and, and we all think back, um, you know, what was it, and put a smile on your face, or maybe uh, brings a tear to your eye, and, and a few weeks ago, we uh, had a wonderful family service, a graveside service where uh, Marvin's military uh, service was honored with the the color guard and the, and the firing of the guns. And, and at that uh, graveside service, uh, there was a verse that I shared from 2 Timothy, and I really thought of Marvin and all the t conversations I had with him over the years. And uh, the verse is from 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, and it says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And I just, uh, when in, in thinking of Marvin's life and in my own uh, interactions with him, the word that, that really struck me and maybe uh, is just something for us to think about is the word perspective. And, and these verses are really the Apostle Paul's perspective. He's looking back. He says, you know what? I fought the good fight. I ran the good race. And then he looks forward. Hey, but you know what? I'm forward looking. I'm forward looking. And... You know, it wasn't uh, uh, too unusual after a sermon, you know, Marvin would come up to me and, and we would have these, he would share these perspectives and, and it wasn't uncommon where he would come and say, you know, I've been in church 30 plus years and I've never heard it put that way, you know? And, and I loved the perspective and I really appreciated that perspective um, that he was still listening to the Lord and he was still teachable and after 30, 40 years in church, he would come up and say, you know, I've never heard it that way. And that really impacted me. And so just, just a word of encouragement to all of us. Maybe today the word is perspective. Maybe when we gather for memorial service and you see a slideshow, you think about your own journey. And you think about, okay, let me just pause. You know, it's been a crazy year. It's been a very fast year. And, and it's even now seems like it's turning a page. And for many of us, maybe today in this, you know, time with, with Marvin's passing, it's just a time to take a deep breath, think about your life, and just get some perspective. Where have you been? Where are you going? You know, and, and the grand hope and the grand celebration, we all know that, that Marvin knew where he was going because of his faith in Jesus. And that verse, you know, uh, I fought the good fight, finished the race, but there's a crown. There's a crown, and the, the joy is because of our faith in Jesus as well, we know we're going to see him again. And we have that hope um, of celebrating eternities, uh, eternities together. So um, there was a song. You guys can come on, come on up. There was a song called uh, The Love of God that Marvin asked um, to be played and sung. So um, the guys are going to lead us in The Love of God. And we invite you to sing. If you don't know it, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out pretty quickly here. But this was a song that Marvin wanted us to sing together. Oh 
to uh, have a time of sharing from the family. Uh, first, we're going to hear from Randy, then Brenda, Christiana, Katie, and then uh, Dale will be uh, bringing up the eulogy. So uh, just come on up as soon as the person in front of you is finished. You guys can uh, just come on up. I'm Randy Brooks. I first met Marvin I believe in the summer of 1982, in his kitchen. Uh, Dale and I were playing church league softball, 
and uh, we were scooting around town in his truck and decided to go by his folks on Maricopa Highway and I remember what it was we needed to do there, probably eat, <laughs> as it turned out. But we, uh, we drive up the driveway and flag, and they're not home. So Dale says, oh, no problem, come on in. You know, we'll... I think he had to change clothes or something. And we get in the kitchen, and we spread open the sandwich spread and the, the loaf and the meat and the whole deal, and we're piling up a big pile of Van Wagner groceries. And Dale excuses himself to go to the bathroom to change, and I'm sinking my teeth into a big sandwich, and I hear car doors shut out in front. This is a problem, right? So all of a sudden, the door opens up, and Mrs. V's eyes get about this big, and I'm standing there holding a sandwich, and, and uh, Mr. V walks in, and he says, do we know you? <laughs> Where's Dale? We see his truck. Anyway, that, that was our first encounter, but through the years, in and out of each other's lives was, uh, uh, Dale and I were buddies, and we've been to countless hundreds of ball games together, over the years, and of course, we live in town, and, and we'd OVCC, and we'd see Mr. and Mrs. Van Wagner, and here I am, 57 years old, he's still Mr. Van Wagner, so I'm going to try my hardest to refer to him as Marvin, this will be, this will be a challenge, but that'll be, uh, that'll be what we'll do. Uh, here in later years, at the well, uh, Ernie would, would bring, would pick Marvin up at, at Triple C and bring him, and, and we'd rush over when whomever was out in front, and help get Marvin up in his, in his walker and then later into his chair and things got a little tough, you know, got tough on Ernie, got tough on Mr. Van Wagner, on Marvin. And, and he, uh, and, and it, it became easier for one and all if the, if the bus service picked, picked him up. And then, uh, you know, it was funny because the, the bus would pull in in all kinds of weather and, and Marvin was very uh, upbeat in life about everything. Always had a smile on his face. Always had something cheerful to say. Never was down. Never had a, a, an ill thing to say about anything in all weather. And here he was in his infirmities. It, we'd get Lois off of the van. She'd scoot right down the deal with her walker. And uh, we're trying to get Marvin up in his, in, in his chair, unbolted, down the ramp. And it was always a cheerful moment. Many times the folks that would drive the bus service would say, they just shake their head in amazement. He's always upbeat. He's always encouraged. There's always a smile on his face. Given the conditions of his, of his life at the moment, how could he be that way? And he was that way because he had faith in Jesus. He knew that this was just a, on the path to his final home. That's what he knew. It's what he lived. And I'll never forget, We one day we'd... we'd get into the commons and sit down. As Richie said, there was coffee, there's donuts. We'd enjoy the banter back and forth between Betty and, and Marvin. They'd come in, they'd, one would ask the other, you still go to church here? That kind of thing. So they always went back and forth. It was fun. So we'd sit down at coffee, and he says to me one morning, we're not going to talk about the Dodgers, we're not going to talk about USC football, which was our usual deal. He says, my heart is burdened. So it got serious, and I said, uh, well, Mr. V, what, what's troubling you? And he says, well, it's Dale. <laughs> and I said, well, church starts in 45 minutes. You know. Well, how much time we got? So he's jesting, and he says, no. He says, I, uh, 
He says, I need your help with something. He says, uh, Dale, is not, Dale is not in church at the moment. And I looked at him and I said, oh, no, no. I, said, I see Dale annually at the worst, or at least once a year. We spend a day together and, and many times more than that. And I said, oh, I said, Dale, he's, yeah. Not something we're just talking about our church life and what's going on all the time, but I'm confident that he's in church. And he just shook his head. He said, he's not. Then he said something about how Mrs. V would be so disappointed. So I said, I'll reach out to Dale. I'll reach out to Dale and I'll tell him of your concern. So I called Dale. I think it was that afternoon. If not, it was Monday morning. Left a message. He was working. I got a call back within 30 minutes. What's going on? So we had this conversation. I said, your dad, he thinks right out of the gate, Holy Spirit goes to work. Dale, oh, he's right. You don't know this. I haven't been going to church. What? So I thought, okay. He took, the, he took it from there. And I had to laugh because that was the extent of my involvement in this operation. But the Holy Spirit convicted Dale. I let Marvin know that I'd talked to Dale, but he'd already talked to Dale because I think Dale called him as soon as we got off the phone. They worked out a... Uh, their conversation and what was going on in, in Dale's life. And uh, Dale started going to church. And it was funny because Mr. Van Wagner was from the, the Ronald Reagan era where he, he, he trusts Dale, but he needs verification. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, see what's up with that. So I had to laugh, so I said, so what, what, what's he doing? I said, how, how is he, he going to verify? So Dale, what was it you had to do for Dad? I want Dale to get a bulletin. He says, even if all he does is drive to the church and get a bulletin, at least I know he was there, right? We'll make it happen. So anyway, that was that that funny story. But, you know, Marvin's faith in the Lord is what kept the smile on his face and his heart. He was the person that he was because of that. And his concern for his family and their salvation was his utmost concern. That was his prayer constantly. All that will speak after me, his family, everyone that's here, all of you is church family. He was concerned for your salvation. And we had a, a, a conversation, and he said, like he told me, at my service, I love this when you get people to start giving stuff for their service, he says, I want you to offer a prayer of salvation real quick, and we can do that. If you want to know that you're going to spend eternity with Marvin and Elaine. They are. I have every confidence that I'm going to be there with them. If you're ready to commit to that today, pray this prayer with me very quickly. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I humbly come to you asking you to come into my heart. I'm ready to commit to you, Lord. I'm ready to live my life like Marvin lived his life. Not perfect, but committed to you always going in your direction, studying your word. I'm ready to make that commitment in this world. Again, I ask, Lord, that you come into my heart and save me. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Now, if you did that for the first time today, praise God. Share with us. Share with us. But you'll live in eternity with Marvin and Elaine in paradise, and you'll laugh, and you'll carry on this relationship, because that's what he wanted for those in his family. Most of all, 
and for everyone. Thank you. of you just said don't trip but that's not funny <laughs> um let me pull up my notes on my phone um my name is brenda i'm the oldest grandchild and daughter of the oldest son dale dad said that means i have to go first out of all the kids so i guess that's what i have to do um my grandpa was an amazing person and it's evident just based on all of you that are here um, I haven't cried yet today, I knew it was going to happen. Um, even on Facebook, there's a lot of Ojai community things that I follow, my mom follows, and I've seen numerous people commenting um, and making their own posts about how much he impacted their life. <sighs> Anyways, um, and many of them I've never met, but it means a lot to know that. Um, as I look out at this room, I want to share a quote that is actually pretty profound to me. People may never remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. You could have cried just a little, just a little. <laughs> um, but I want you to think about that for a second. How did my grandpa make you feel? You're here because he made you feel important or special. He affected you or your kids. He tolerated my children, <laughs> and me and my crazy sisters and Christy. <laughs> Christy's probably the best behaved, but um, without getting into details, I didn't get to know my grandpa till I was almost done with high school. Um, it was kind of a daunting visit, if you know my grandmother. <laughs> um, it was very overwhelming. <laughs> my stepmom kind of sat next to me, and she's like, Elaine, you know she can hear you, right? <laughs> And she's like, well, well, okay. But my grandpa, I noticed he was very calm. He was very reserved. Um, and it was just a nice, calming presence. And he was perfect for her. He balanced her with her plastic on the couches. I mean, he was just the one that I swear, he was, I think he was a secret Uncle Lee when he was younger because his patience for the kids and everything else, I think that that's just the kind of person that he was. But, um, he had this dry sense of humor, and it was obvious that he balanced her out. Um, he was always very accepting of me, as if I'd been here from the beginning, and even if not in person, at least in spirit. But um, he was just an amazing person that immediately welcomed me in. I now have a blended family, and he was very welcoming of that as well. Um, I could rattle off a bunch of stuff about his achievements. We've kind of already done that, but. Dad said, you have three to five minutes, so I don't have time for that. But he believed that you could literally do anything, anything. Um, over and over again, I would tell him, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to spend money on college for something I don't know what I want to do. And he said, well, kiddo, college is not the end all be all. You'll figure it out. That was always his thing, well, kiddo. Um, and many times that was true. It would always kind of work itself out. But he thrived on the kids that were people that would be challenging, <clears throat> Uncle Lee, um, people like that. But he thrived helping those kids. He loved it. He ate it up. I read a Facebook post the other day that someone posted um, for his obituary, and somebody said that they did something and got sent to his office, and he whipped out a sucker and just totally floored the kid, and he was like, I've never experienced anything like that. 
but you just kind of had this way of working with kids that he got it. And as a mom, that's everything for me. Not every kid is the same, and he knew it. He always said, give them the tools, they'll be fine. And that's true. I'm probably not fine yet. <laughs> but I'll close with this. You guys are here today because my grandpa meant something to you. I can promise you, he would want you to know that you could be with him someday too. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. I know we just prayed the prayer, so I should have probably covered the notes with everybody else first, but he would want you guys to know that. And if you don't know that, I can tell you that's the one thing he would want from this stage is to know that you'll be in heaven with him. And I can't say anything else other than my grandfather was an amazing person. And he really was just awesome. He was the perfect balance to our family. He would laugh. My daughter would, <laughs> my daughter's a little bit of a stinker. And <laughs> we would visit and he would just kind of do this and just kind of look through his hand like this. And when she wasn't looking, he'd just start shaking, laughing. And he'd look at me and be like, you got your hands full, kid. <laughs> and it was true. But I always knew that no matter what, no matter what we did, he would still love us and be proud of us. And that's the best part. Thank you. Hi, my name's Christiana. I'm Lee's only daughter. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, Marvin Van Wagner was my grandfather. He was someone who was very special in my life. When I was a child, he was the entertainer, watching me and my cousins every Monday until we were school age, and even then on school holidays. With him, it was never a dull moment, with hikes around the property, racing trains in his train room, stopping on the side of the road to try and get the horses to talk to us, buying us rainbow sprinkle donuts with his coffee and even letting us steal pieces of his apple fritter when we finished our own. He let us collect roly-poly bugs in his old styrofoam coffee cups and let us pick and eat as much sour grass as we could get our hands on. He let us pluck roses from his garden to create bouquets for our mothers and even take us downtown for even more adventures. He'd take us to the local shops and encouraged us a love of books by giving us no spending limit at Bart's. Reading and enjoyment of books is something we both had in common, and he encouraged my book hoarding tendencies as I got older by sharing his Barnes & Noble membership with me. He told me he always knew that I'd been book shopping when he'd get his reward vouchers in the mail from racking up so many points. <laughs> I always admired the stacks of books he had lying around this house, always too many to put away. A goal, I confess, I'd like to have at his age. When I was 18, I had the opportunity to accompany my grandfather on a cruise to Hawaii, just the two of us. 
going was the best decision I ever made. I got to know my grandfather all over again. He told me lots of stories about him and my grandmother's travels around the world and the time he spent in the Navy. Our favorite thing to do was to sit on the balcony and watch the ocean. Sometimes reading, sometimes talking, or just taking in the view. One of my favorite things about my grandfather was the fact that he just let me be myself. He never made me feel or act a certain way that I didn't want to. He was always there to offer me advice when I needed it, or just a listening ear. However, the one and only time I can remember my grandfather ever being firm with me was the subject of having a family. At the time, I was working in childcare, and I confided in him that I wasn't sure about never having children. My grandfather looked me very sternly in the eye and let me know just how important having a family was. He said how much immense joy it brought him to see his own children and have children and watch his family grow. He said how grateful he was to his family for taking care of him as he got older and watching our lives unfold. Again, this was one of the only times my grandfather was very serious with me and would not let the subject drop until he made his point. I'm proud to say that I now have a beautiful daughter with my husband and I couldn't agree more with him. My daughter was born in June of 2020 and even through COVID, I was still fortunate enough for him to meet her twice and I'm very grateful that God blessed us with that time together. As much as I'll miss him and the special place he held in my life, I know that he is in heaven right now feeling better than he ever has and enjoying the view. Um, if anyone wants the phone number to the Barnes and Noble membership, I still have it open. <laughs> I renew it every year for him. Um, still under his name. My name's Katie. Um, I'm the, I guess, middle-ish grandchild. <laughs> um, and today I'm speaking on behalf of me and my sister, Natalie. Um, my grandpa had many accomplishments in his life. He was a man of God, a son, a brother, a teacher, principal, and a lieutenant JG in the Navy. But I believe wholeheartedly the title he was most proud of was Grandpa. Um, <laughs> some of my earliest memories in life are with my grandpa. My grandparents would watch Natalie and I every Monday until we started kindergarten. Um, I learned how to ride a bike in my grandparents' circle driveway around the Rose Garden. Christy, Natalie, and I would eat sourgrass with my grandpa outside for hours, and he helped us build teepees out of sticks and houses out of tinker toys. Every time my grandparents would watch us, my grandpa would set out this little platter with carrots and olives and pickles. And Natalie and I have always loved pickles since we were little, and he would always have the best ones. Even when we were older and he moved um, out of their house, he still had this huge jar of pickles that he would save for us. 
And I don't know how old those were, but he always had pickles. <laughs> and uh, whenever we would leave to drive home to Chino, Natalie would always be like, I'm getting one. So she'd get a bag, get a pickle, and he would just laugh because he's like, oh, I saved those for you. Every Christmas, after watching Chrissy open her gifts, he would drive an hour to watch me and Natalie open ours. And when we moved to Chino, which was even further away, he still came every Christmas. In high school, I had the opportunity to march in the 2013 Rose Parade, a privilege and honor only a few people get in their life. And a privilege and honor, I'm so glad to say I share with him. And I'm the only person in our family that gets to share that with him. So, which is why I did roses today. Um, when I was in college, every time I called my grandpa, right before we'd say our I love yous and goodbyes, he'd always ask me, okay, how much do I need to write your check for, for tuition and books? And I was like, no, you don't have to. No, he, he wanted to because education was so important to, to him for us, and he always wanted us to have the best education. And uh, Natalie and I have a favorite song. Um, in the song, there's a quote, and it says, from time to time, there arise among human beings people who seem to exude love as naturally as the sun gives out heat. That quote reminds us of our grandpa. He was a man who radiated love. It's natural to him. And while many people had the honor of knowing Marvin Van Wagner, we're proud to say and incredibly blessed to say that he was our grandpa. <laughs> well, pardon me for my voice. I started, I don't know, maybe it's yelling at all the Dodger games, Randy. I don't know that we've been going to lately. But my voice is a little under the weather today, so bear with me. But uh, uh, this is my part, and I will just tell you that I uh, spent a lot of time thinking about this. You're going to hear a lot of repetitiveness, in, and, and we didn't collaborate. All of us did not collaborate. In fact, I read a couple pieces to my wife and a couple of my, uh, couple of my daughters, different bits and pieces, and it's funny, before I get into this, you'll hear it repeated more than once, even twice, that somebody else has already said this. So it's gotta be the theme of the consistency of my father. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. On behalf of my brother Lee, myself and our families, I would like to thank all of you for taking time out of your busy schedule today to celebrate the life of Marvin Clyde Van Wagner, also known as Mr. Van or Van. If you knew our father or heard any stories about him, they were probably all true. He was a loving husband, father, grandfather, and great-grandfather, and truly cared about the next generations to come. I am reminded of a verse that really describes our father's true calling as a teacher and a principal, which spanned over 35 years. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe Dad took this verse to heart and became a very, very passionate about training up the children of Ojai that he was entrusted with. However, there were times that some of those children needed a little more training than others. <laughs> Let us go back to those early years when he was principal at Ojai Elementary which is now, by the way, the district office, if you don't already know that. 
Back in the day, discipline in schools was encouraged and even allowed by parents as well as the school district. How many of you here today <coughs> remember when you got a paddling, got a belt, or even a switch taken to your bottom? Didn't feel good, did it? Did you know that our father had a paddle in his bottom right-hand desk drawer? I know where it was at. And not just one, but two. Yes, two. One was a very nice piece of wood, one inch by four inch, and about 12 to 14 inches long. The other one was the same, except it had about a dozen or so holes in it drilled all the way through that were about a one inch in diameter. Well, when a student got sent to dad's office, they had a choice of paddle number one or paddle number two. Now, most kids would say, Mr. Van, that's easy, paddle number two. Thinking the one with holes has less wood, so it hurts less. What he wasn't thinking was, less wood equals less resistance, thus more pain. So train up a child, and he learns. So next time, when it was paddle time, I'm sure he chose paddle number one. <coughs> now, being a student at the same school your father is principal at was very different for Lee and I. My classmates would always ask me from time to time, why don't you ever get in trouble at school? <laughs> My reply was simple. I live with the principal. On the other hand, Lee really didn't care. In fact, not only did Lee not care, he even got paddled at school once by our father. Then he got another paddling when dad arrived home that evening. <laughs> so he got paddled twice in the same day. <laughs> Now, I, could tell you, I can't tell you which paddle my dad used, but I can sure Lee didn't get to pick. Times have changed. A paddle could be a problem today, but it might be time to bring those back into the school. Over the course of his career, he moved around uh, between the other elementary schools in Ohio and finally finished up his career at Miners Oaks Elementary. Now, technology was changing at that time, and our father wasn't always fond of it, and that's putting it nicely. So shortly before he retired, computers were becoming popular, but he sent his secretary to computer class because he said to her, I'm going to be gone soon, and I'll ask you for help anyway, so it's better that you learn it than me. <laughs> this brings me to a time when a student came in to his office one day and told my dad that he was sick and wanted to go home. Dad asked if he knew his number, and he said yes. So he directed the student to the faculty lunchroom to use the phone. Now, as Dad and his secretary were going over some paperwork at her desk, he noticed that the light on line one would go on, then it would go off, then it would go on, then it would go off. So after about the fourth time, Dad goes in, asks the student if he's having trouble reaching his mom, and he said yes. So Dad says, well, let's try and dial the number again. So the student sticks his finger in the rotary dial phone and starts pushing the buttons. Dad did everything not to laugh at him. Guess who had the new technology push-button phone at home? <laughs> Growing up in a town of about 9,000 people, it was like showing up to Cheers, the old television show. Everybody knows your name, except in the case of Lee and I. Since our last name was longer than most, his colleagues would call him Van, and his students would call him Mr. Van. So when Lee and I would start the next grade at school at the beginning of each year, our teachers would see our names and go, oh, you're Van's son. Well, Lee and I weren't sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Over time, we realized it was a good thing, 
unless we got trouble. Then it seemed like it wasn't so good after all. Speaking of trouble, here's a real doozy. Our parents thought it would be a great idea for their sons to grow up on an acre of land with plenty of room to play and be creative, living in the open spaces near the Los Padres National Forest. One beautiful, sunny, warm summer afternoon, Lee and I were bored, the neighbor kids were gone, just really absolutely nothing to do. Now, if Lee tells a story, it was my idea. But after all these years, Lee's probably right. <laughs> the end of our property overlooked Highway 33. We lived around the corner from Bodie's, first driveway on the right. So we could see the cars and hear them coming up and down the highway. So we're standing there looking, so I'm standing there looking around, and I say to Lee, hey, see those dirt clods? What if we pick up some and throw them on the highway as cars pass below? Lee, being younger than me and thinking Big Brother thinks it's a good idea, says, sounds fun, why not? <coughs> so we start tossing them onto the highway. Well, after a while, one of those dirt clods hits a car driving by, and all we hear are brakes screeching. So immediately, Lee and I take off running for our neighbor's orange orchard, hoping the driver doesn't come up the driveway. So after about five minutes or so, we hear our father calling our names. We don't answer right away because we're trying to catch our breath from the sprint we just made. <coughs> we finally answer him and say, we're coming. We come out of the orchard and see our father standing uh, there and another man standing next to him with a lady and a child inside a blue car. Yes, I still remember the color car. Dad says, uh, were you two throwing dirt clods on the highway? I answer, what? We were over at the neighbors. <coughs> he says, you two come here. This man would like to show you something. So we very slowly approach the man, and as we do, he slowly opens his wallet and shows us his Ventura County Deputy Sheriff's badge. Okay. So I can't speak for Lee, but I think I peed my pants a little. <laughs> I can't remember the punishment we received that day, but to this day, I avoid dirt clubs altogether. Our father was also the minister of music at the Ojai Valley Community Church for over 30 years. Our mother and Lee and I all sang in the church choir as well. But this story starts prior to Lee joining the choir. One Thursday evening, with Dad leading the choir uh, practice and Mom and I singing with the other members, the associate pastor at the time, Gene Daffron, comes in and interrupts Dad and says, hey, your son Lee is on the phone and needs to speak with you. Dad says, nah, tell him I'll call him when I'm done. And Gene says, yeah, I don't, I think you need to take this call. It sounds kind of urgent. So Dad asks Sue Lakes to take over the choir practice and leaves to take the call. A few minutes later, he returns, points at Mom and I, and says, follow so we excuse ourselves, fall into the parking lot, and get mom's car. He says, I'm taking you both home because Lee's just been in a car accident in my car. Now, Lee is only 15 at the time. <laughs> so Lee has no driver's license and no learner's permit. We later learned that Lee decided, after the three of us left for choir practice, to take dad's car for a spin and pick up a friend. While cruising the east end of Ojai, right out here, Lee sees some birds on the road, swerves to avoid them, the back end starts fishtailing of Dad's Ford Pinto station wagon, flies over a drainage ditch, lands with the front right nose of the vehicle next to an orange orchard. Love those orange orchards, don't we? Vehicles totaled. Funny thing is, this was the first of four vehicles he totaled. Now, to Lee's defense, only one was his fault. 
don't remember all those punishes, how they added up, but I do know one thing. After the fourth accident, Dad's insurance company printed on every policy for the next 20 years, 20 years, Lee Van Wagner is no longer allowed to drive any vehicles listed here. If he does, then he will, we will not pay for any claims to any parties. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think Dad really liked that panel anyway, so maybe Lee did him a favor after all those years. What do you think, Lee? <laughs> As we got older, Lee and I started to see how much of an impact our father had on his former students, colleagues, and even his friends. When Lee or I were in the valley, we might run into people that we knew or dad knew, and before we could even ask how they were doing, they would ask us, how's your dad? They'd tell us a memory that they had made uh, that, uh, from them the past and that they had a lasting impression on their life. It's funny because when, kids, when our kids were younger and we would go into town with them, if somebody recognized one of us or us them, they would ask us how we were doing, what's going on, and such, and visit for a few minutes. After they left, one of our girls might say to us, who don't you know here? We would laugh, then think, eh, probably not too many. And after, even after all these years, Lee and I still know quite a lot of people here in the Valley. Speaking of girls, Natalie, the youngest, really made dad, grandpa, stop in his tracks one day. Three to four granddaughters, Christy, Katie, and Allie, spent time on Mondays with Grandma and Grandpa doing all kinds of things, and they already told you about all those. But on this particular day, Grandma was having a conversation or a discussion with Grandpa, and Natalie was listening in. I think she was about four years old at the time. I'm not too sure what Grandpa said, but Natalie put her hands on her hips and said, Grandpa, take a chill pill. <laughs> My father said he stood there for a second or two in shock, and then left the room immediately before he busted out laughing. Kids say the darndest things, sometimes priceless. We have a lot of great memories of our home on Highway 33, or Maricopa Highway as some of you know it, so it was hard when Mom passed away in 2009 to say goodbye to it. By the way, it still had a rotary dial phone on the wall in the front room where it had been installed in 1969, and it still worked. Lee and I wanted to have Dad live closer to us. Lee lived in Santa Paula, me living in Chino, but Dad said, no way. Ojai is where I have lived for 48 years, and this is where I want to live. Everybody knows my name. So he settled on a small house in Oakview on a corner lot with, a view of, with his back patio of Lower Oakview, Casita Springs, and Foster Park. He would spend mornings reading his paper, drinking his coffee. In the afternoons, he would go out there to read his latest book from Tom Clancy, John Grisham, Clive Cluster, just to name a few of his favorites, while enjoying the wind chimes blowing in the afternoon breeze. I was able to experience this with him on many occasions since my work took me to Ventura County many times during the year, so I would spend a night or two with him while I was in town. We would go to, out to eat, and just like our kids witnessed, people would recognize him, come up and say hello, see how he was doing. After they left, he would tell me their story and how he knew them. He truly had an impact on so many lives, people's lives, young and old, in the Ojai Valley. Lee and I would have made the biggest mistake of our lives and regretted it forever had we moved Dad out of the Ojai Valley. This was his home, and he loved it here. On September 22, 2018, was the day our father was admitted to the Ojai Continuing Care Facility in Ojai. It, it was sad that he wouldn't be able to enjoy his home in Oakview, but he made it the best of it. And guess what? The staff there, they knew him. Former students, fellow friends, even a few church members. 
It wasn't home, but he made it home. He still read his newspaper and drank his coffee and read his latest book almost every day. Whenever I could come up, or Sherry and I could come up or with the girls, we would take him out to one of his favorite restaurants, and it was like things never changed. Some peop people saw him, they visited with him, and the visiting began. Since 1961, this place called Ojai was home to a very special man. He made it and the people he touched a better place to live and work for generations to come. It says in 1 Corinthians 7.17, Nevertheless, each of you should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called. Lastly, speaking of dates, Lee and I had kidded with Dad after Mom passed that he needed to pass away on a date that would be easy to remember. Reason being, our mom's father passed away on my birthday, September 22, 1999. Mom's mother passed away on Christmas Day, December 25, 1999, and our mother passed away on her and Dad's 53rd wedding anniversary on August 11, 2009. So, in case you didn't know, and you've heard it, our father passed away on April 18, 2021 at about 1.30 p.m. Looking at the calendar, looking online, checking family birthdays and anniversaries, etc., I couldn't find anything that made it easy to remember his passing. Then, out of nowhere, and this is for you, Randy, but I think God spoke to me. I realized then that he had passed away on Sunday, Lord's Day. Our father was truly a man of God. So I believe God said to Dad that day, on Sunday, April 18th, it is time for you to come home. Your work here on earth is done. And with that, our father was finally able to say the words that you've already heard today, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there in store, is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all of you who have longed for his appearing. We love and miss you, Dad. We'll see you again soon. Perspective. Perspective. And uh, we've had an opportunity to think uh, an eternal perspective, faith in Jesus. And, and through the stories, I'm hoping that uh, the word perspective comes all the way down to the small things. You know, just the smallest things. I, I hope that as you were hearing uh, the kids and the grandkids speak, that, that the memories that they have with Marvin, it's just the small things. Sometimes we think we have to do these really big things. And then when you hear a story shared at a memorial, it's just the small things that add up. And it's just about love and time and investing and just sharing your lives together. So it's just perspective, and, and that's the word for today. Uh, we're going to close uh, with a wonderful song that, that is really a testimony song about Martin, uh, Marvin's faith. It's called It Is Well, and I'm sure he would say that to us. It is well. We want to invite you to sing this with joy and, and even with celebration and triumph because of his faith in Jesus. It is well with his soul. And then uh, as soon as that song's done, we have another special slideshow for you. Sea billows roll. 
Life well lived. Amen? Amen. Well, that concludes our uh, celebration of Marvin's life. We want to encourage you to continue to fellowship, share stories out front if you'd like. There's coffee and refreshments. Uh, if you didn't get to see the uh, slideshow beforehand, you're welcome to sit here for a bit and, and celebrate his life through the slideshow. We'll have it up and running 
uh, for a while if you'd like to do that. Okay, God bless you. Thanks again for coming. You are dismissed. Anyone else but me? Anyone else but me? No, no, no.
anyone else but me Till I come marching home I just got word from a guy who heard from the guy next door to me The girl he met just loves the best and it fits you to a T So don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me Till I come marching home Home. 